0: Welcome to the Active Worship Podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones continuing this series called The Psalm Project. And as I mentioned, this would be a lengthy project. I am doing Psalm 5 today, and later this week you will hear Psalm 6. So uh, it's been, this is the third week, and I've only set six six psalms to music. So uh, it will take a while. Uh, If you've listened to the recordings of the psalms, you've probably noticed they're pretty simple. And that is purposeful. I want these songs to be, um, if they can, be used in congregational worship, uh, but nothing uh, terribly difficult. Uh, If you want difficult psalms, then uh, sing Bernstein's Chichester Psalms. Then you will find difficult right there. Um, If you know that work, by the way, or if you don't know that work, you should listen to it. It is a very beautiful piece of music. It is a combination of three different psalms that uh, Bernstein himself uh, set to music. And um, yes, the same Bernstein that wrote West Side Story, the same same guy. Um, This is a it's a beautiful piece of music. I've done it and I sang in the chorus several times and uh, once did it with it was intended for a little boy to sing the solo part. Uh, A lot of choirs will use a a female, an adult female, but uh, it was intended for a male boy voice. Uh, But I would encourage you to listen to that Setting of, of these three Psalms and Chichester Psalms. It is it's just a gorgeous work. I digress. Uh, Psalm 5. Um, so Psalm 5, we are going to be getting into some lamenting Psalms, uh, Psalm 5 and Psalm 6, certainly, and there are Psalms of lament throughout this book. Um, this was, it was a lament that petitions the Lord, written by David in a time of distress, But the psalmist here, David, also expresses trust in the Lord's protection, and his distress is caused by the evil speech of the wicked. And so, you'll see that in this psalm. So, uh, if you would allow me to read it, and then we we will go through and break it down, and I think you will... uh, agree with me on on this setting of the music a lot of times a lamenting psalm will be set in a minor key and i have done that for psalm 6 which you will hear in a few days psalm 5 is not set in a minor key because even though it is a lamenting psalm there is hope expressed in the text of the psalm itself and by the way somehow we've gotten to the idea in western music where we think that if it's sad or it's You know, if there's uh, text about distress that we need to set it in a minor key. And we don't have to. Minor does not have to be synonymous with sad or bad or anything like that. Minor can be uh, joyful at times. But uh, um, there are many ways to set text to music. And, and, you know, I I don't know that there's one right way. I think composers uh, make those decisions based on their own unique ideas about the text. And so... Let's get into it, Psalm chapter 5, Psalm the fifth Psalm, and it reads like this. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning, hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildo- evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, the abundance of your steadfast through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. But let all who take refuge in in you rejoice, let them ever sing for joy, and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover him with favor as a shield. So some good, good text there. David, as many know, was a musician and a poet. So he had a way with words, and so you see this here. Um... This psalm starts about groaning, give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my groaning. In Exodus chapter 2, um, <clears throat> the Israelites are crying out to God, and the, the text says that the Lord heard their cry, the Lord remembered his covenant and heard their cries and responded, and so a lot of people might think, well, the basis of his response was the fact that they cried out to him. No, the basis of his response was the covenant that he had made between himself and his people. And covenant is the foundation of prayer, especially corporate prayer, because God's people are one body and we are able to pray to God because we are his. And so I mentioned uh, last week, does God hear the prayers of the unrighteous, of those who are not saved? No, that, that does not mean he doesn't audibly hear it, but those people are not found in Christ. Their prayers are not given to God in righteousness. If you are a Christian, even though you sin, you are in Christ. You are positionally righteous and you are being made actually righteous. And so your prayers, go, God receives them because he receives them through the mediator, through Jesus Christ. And so the Hebrew word here, when it says, consider my groaning, the Hebrew word implies a kind of muttering or scarcely audible speech as one that would accompany uh, maybe memorizing and reflection. And then David himself, who was a king, he refers to the Lord as his king and his God, David, Israel's king addresses God as his king. He knows that his own kingship is a pale reflection of God's. And then in verse 4, you are not a God who delights in wickedness. And this is a, a poetic understatement. God hates sin. And we will see that um, in verse 5. The next verse, it says, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. When people may ask, well, I I thought God didn't hate. I thought God is love. Well, he is, but he can't hate, and he hates sin. In fact, Scripture says he loved Jacob and hated Esau. And and certainly there are uh, differences in Greek and Hebrew text from English text, but the fact is God hates evil. And because he is love... Evil is the opposite of him. So, yes, love can hate. Hates, he hates what is the opposite of him. It says evil may not dwell with you in verse 4. God is holy. He's set apart from all evil. And sinful people cannot come into his presence, which is all of us, by the way. Sinful people cannot come into the presence of God without a substitutionary sacrifice. That's why Old Testament Israel would sacrifice animals, but it was ongoing. Jesus Christ is the permanent sacrifice on behalf of his people. Verse 7, the abundance of your steadfast love, through the abundance of your steadfast love, I will enter your house. The writer here knows that he is different from the wicked only because of God's grace. Okay, so hear me out. These Psalms that are contrasting the righteous and the unrighteous, we should not get a big head about it and think that, oh, we're righteous, we can approach God. The only possible way we can do that is through Jesus Christ. We are all evil by nature, radically depraved. And so the writer here knows that his own sin would destroy him if God did not have the compassion on him as he approached God's presence. But it is through that steadfast love, he says, I will enter your house. The psalmist here protests his innocence by stating his desire to worship the Lord, your house, your holy temple. And this may refer to the site where the temple would be built or perhaps the tabernacle. Of the psalmist's own time. I'm going to read you something from uh, 1 Samuel 1.9. 9. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9, it says, After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. This is the same place that David could be referring to here. The temple of the Lord. Or, as I said, he could have in mind the temple that would be built. It would not be built in David's time, but in his son's time, in Solomon's time. So it could be referring to one of those, but either way, David is expressing his desire to worship the Lord. In verse 8, says, Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. Your way. What does that mean? The way of the Lord. This is the path of safety that God opens. And it's also the path of obedience to his will. In other words, when people are walking in the way of the Lord, they are obeying him and they are safe. They are safe from evildoers and they honor God. Verse 9 talks about destruction. The evildoers, their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. David here associates evil with death. And truly, evil and sin ultimately leads to death. That is the goal of sin. Verse 10, let them fall by their own counsels. The psalmist calls upon God to punish the wicked because they're guilty. And sin often brings its own uh, consequences. And as I said, ultimately, the goal of sin, the aim, is death. And that's Satan's goal. It is never anything that is good for us. It is always death. And so this is a lamenting psalm. David calling out to God in a time of distress. But there is a hope here. You see these hints of hope that he he sprinkles in the midst of distress. He talks about the hope in the Lord. You are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. David understands that God protects him in the midst of evildoers and distress. And what does it mean to fear the Lord? And there are people that will say, well, fear is a respect. It doesn't mean being afraid. No, it does mean being afraid. And there are certainly different Greek and Hebrew words for the word fear uh, that could mean different things. Some of them do mean a type of respect. But often it really does mean a fear. If you are not fearful of the Lord, what motivation do you have to honor him? And this doesn't mean that you should... You should walk around afraid he's going to strike you with lightning. That's not what it means, although he certainly could. And he has killed people before. Read the scriptures. It is throughout, it's pervasive in scripture where God took the lives of people. Um, Now, I'll give you an example. When I was a child, if I did something wrong, I I respected my dad, certainly, but I was afraid of the consequences. He was going to pull that leather belt on and, and wear my backside out. That was what he was going to do. And, um you know so it, but it motivated me to try to do what he commanded me to do and so fear of the lord is a fear it is a reverent fear but there's also hope in him knowing that when we are since we are found in Jesus Christ he doesn't see us in sin he sees us in righteousness and so the psalmist here laments but he gives some hope in the midst of lament and that is the purpose of lament yeah we express our our cries to the lord but we need to realize that there is hope in god so i'll set this to music this is psalm 5 the fifth psalm and i hope this blesses you today thank you for listening to the act of worship podcast this is dr jonathan michael jones
1: Listen to stand Thank mm-hmm. you